The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had no worn clothes, and he did not live in a house, but he lived in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine were feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed, and his mind was right. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got in a boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged, had gone, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus said to him, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that passage from uh, the Gospel of Luke that we just heard Lois read is a famous story of Jesus healing a man who's possessed by demons. Um, and there are, as is always the case with biblical narratives, all kinds of themes or threads we could tease out from that passage about its meaning for us today. This morning I'd like to focus on a couple of things. Uh, very simply, one is the reaction or the response of the people in the region and the city uh, to that healing, and the other is the response or the reaction to the man who was healed. Both of those things, I think, uh, lift up minimally a question for us or questions for us in our own lives here in our time and place. So again, as we just heard Lois read, 
Jesus uh, crosses the Sea of Galilee. He's going from Galilee to this town or this area called uh, the place of the Gerasenes. It's a non-Jewish area. That's important to, to know. Um, there he meets a man who is possessed by demons. There is an immediate encounter with this man. It is interesting, by the way, this is the only thing that happens in this narrative. Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee, which is a big lake, um, only apparently to heal this one man. So we could talk about how Jesus in moments like this is going to unexpected place or places or how he's reaching out to individuals to heal them. We could talk about how unexpected individuals, or in this case demons, recognize Jesus when his own followers often don't. Um, all of that is in the first few sentences. But in, in, as we proceed, Jesus ends up having a back and forth with this man, and he does in fact heal him. He sends the demons out. And now we, we get to this point where we begin to see the townspeople's response. And again, remember, I want to focus on their response, and I want to focus on the response of the individual. So the healing has happened in the presence of some pe people who are hurting the, the swine or the pigs. And in verse 35, uh, we pick it up after they have gone back to the town and said and shared, hey, this is what just happened. And the people now come back, all right? This is verse 35. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now again, earlier it says that the man um, had been bound frequently. He'd been able to escape those binds. He would go live in the tombs. He ran around naked. He most certainly was not in his right mind. And here the townspeople see him and he's been given back his dignity. He's clothed. He's been given back his right mind. He's not running around. And he's in relationship now, again, in a healthy way with people, particularly with Jesus. Now, if I stop the story right there, and, and we're not told, by the way, who this man is, but presumably the people of the town knew him. They certainly knew of him because they had chained him up periodically. It's possible, though, he was an old relative, an old friend, maybe an old uncle, a cousin, who knows. But if I stop the story right there and said, Jesus has healed a man, he's given him back his dignity, he's restored him to his right mind, he's restored him into relationship with other people, what would you say the next step would be? What would the reaction of the people be? You would assume, I think, most people would assume, they would say, thank you, Jesus. This is wonderful. It's our old friend, John, or you know, our long lost uncle, Tom, whatever. We're so grateful that we have him back. We're so grateful that you have healed him and restored him. Am I right? Is that a reasonable expectation of a response from the people? Yes. Is that the response? No. How do they respond? This is right after we're told that they go and they see this man clothed at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. It says, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Verse 37, then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus has done this amazing thing He's healed this man. He's brought him back to life, effectively. And the people say, Jesus, this freaks us out a little bit. 
We're very scared. Please leave. What is going on? I don't know if any of you have heard this phrase before, um, so stop me if you haven't, but have you heard the phrase, change is hard? Honestly, I think that's a lot of what's happening here. We could explain this in different ways, but I think part of what's going on here is the people in this area, they've known this man in the past as not being in his right mind, as hurting himself, maybe hurting others, not being in good relationship with others. And even though that has been unhealthy, dysfunctional, painful, hard, difficult, it's what they know. It's what's familiar to them. And so when Jesus comes and he transforms this man, he heals this man, and he says effectively to these people, there is a different future I have available for you, and it doesn't look like the past. It's a future filled with hope and promise. They say, don't care. We like what we know. Jesus, please leave. Okay? So that's the response of the people. The response of the individual. Uh, again, Jesus takes the, the people at the word and he heads back down to the docks to get in his boat, to head back to Galilee. Again, the only thing that he does in this whole passage is heal this one man. And what does the man who's been healed do? He chases Jesus down, he goes to the dock and he says, um, hey, Jesus, it says, this is verse 39, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him that he might go with Jesus. Why would that be? Again, a lot of reasons. I think one possible reason is that this man is so grateful and so excited and so thrilled with this new life he's been given that he wants to go to the ends of the world to tell everyone about what has happened to him. Does that make sense to you? Okay. How does Jesus respond to that request on the part of the man? It says, Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Yeah, I understand you're grateful, that's good. I understand you're excited, I understand you're thrilled to have your new life, and I understand you wanna share it with other people. Here's the thing, my friend. You don't have to go to the ends of the earth to tell people what I have done for you. Stay here. There are people right in your backyard who you know already who need to hear what I have done to you. This is actually very much connected to something that happened repeatedly in the life of Mother Teresa. Maybe you guys have heard this. While she was alive in the 20th century, people would obviously go visit her in Calcutta and they would be sort of blown away by the work she was doing with the poor. And they were so excited about it, they would say to her repeatedly, um, gosh, Mother Teresa, this is amazing what you're doing here. I have been so impacted by it, I am going to sell everything that I have. And I'm gonna move here and work with you. Do you know what she would say to those people? Four words, find your own Calcutta. Go back home. Here's the longer passage. Stay where you are. This is Mother Teresa. Stay where you are. Find your own Calcutta. Find the sick, the suffering, and the lonely right there where you are. In your own homes and in your own families, in your workplaces and in your schools, you can find Calcutta all over the world if you have eyes to see. 
That's exactly what Jesus was saying to that man. My friend, there are people right here in your backyard who need what you have to offer, who have to hear the message you want to provide. Okay, so that's the response of the community, the response of the individuals. Have anything to do with us? Just everything, right? The question for us this morning is, can we open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears to see and to hear the bright, hope-filled future that God has for us, which may mean leaving behind painful, difficult, challenging, dysfunctional things in our past, which we are drawn to because they're familiar, right? Can we listen to God's invitation to move away from them into a different kind of future? That's one question. That's about the communal response. The other is, can we respond to God's invitation to be part of that hope-filled, bright, healing future by sharing with people around us what God has done for us? I presume we come to a place like this week in and week out because we find something positive here. We find some meaning some sense of purpose, some sense of healing. Friends, do you think people outside these walls need those things? Anyone? I promise you, they do. And you don't need to go to the ends of the earth to find them. God has already put people in your lives, in your families, in your communities, who need to hear a word of hope, a word of peace, a word of invitation, a word of love that only you can provide. So, today, my invitation to you is just to sit with both of those opportunities, let's call them, both of those questions. Can we see a bright, hope-filled future and leave behind a dysfunctional past? And are we willing to respond to God's invitation to be part of that future? I invite you to pray about that in the days and weeks to come. And for now, will you join me as we pray together? Let us pray. Loving God, the Bible often seems like such a distant place and time for us today. And yet when we unpack it, we discover it still has messages that resonate powerfully for us. I pray today you will open our eyes to your hope-filled future and I pray that you will give us the courage to share a word of hope and promise with those you have placed in front of us. And all of this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.